Good morning, everyone. Hopefully, you had a nice Thanksgiving. My name is Chase Ross. Happy Disability Awareness Sunday. Beginning in January, Trinity will be starting a new ministry called The Banquet. This is a ministry for individuals who experience the challenges of having or loving someone with a disability. As I was growing up with a disability, I found that there was no support from my local church family at the time, and it was very sad. I believe the Trinity United Methodist Church is a church for people of every ability. So who is Chase Ross? I'm the oldest kid of Kevin and Kelly Ross. I have a young brother, Garrett, and a sister Maddie. I have the world's greatest Nana. They are going to be here this morning. So thankful for those people because they are the reason I am giving a message this morning. I use my iPad to communicate my words and thoughts. As I already pointed out, I am in a wheelchair because I have a disability called cerebral palsy, or CP. CP occurs at birth. Currently, about 8,000 babies and infants are diagnosed with the condition each year. It is a disorder that affects the body's ability to control its muscle movement and posture. A person who lives with CP can experience many physical symptoms such as exaggerated reflexes and involuntary motions. Moreover, the individual can experience a hard time completing daily tasks such as eating, drinking, showering, etc. The subject that I will be discussing this morning is to share my heart for ministry for disabled families and communities. I started ministry school in the fall of 2019 to help Greenhouse Church, my former church, to be a voice for the disability community of Greenhouse. However, during the COVID-19 pandemic, the school shut down. I thought that I wouldn't be able to start a disability ministry. I lost my way during the pandemic and doubted myself. Without the support and love from my family, I would not be standing up or sitting in front of you this morning about to give my first ever sermon. As I was around my family for our Thanksgiving dinner table on Thursday, I realized that the scripture that I will be preaching from is a great example of what my family did whenever I was ready to give up on a starting ministry. This morning we are in the fifth chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke. Starting with verse 17 reads like this, On one of the days, while Jesus was teaching, some proud religious law keepers and teachers of the law were sitting by him. They had come from every town in the countries of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was there to heal them. Some men took a man who was not able to move his body to Jesus. He was carried on a bed. They looked for a way to take the man into the house where Jesus was. But they could not find a way to take him in because of so many people. They made a hole in the roof over where Jesus stood. Then they let the bed with the sick man on it down before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The teachers of the law and the proud religious law keepers thought to themselves, Who is this man who speaks as if he is God? Who can forgive sins but God only? Jesus knew what they were thinking. He said to them, Why do you think this way in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or, get up and walk? 
so that you may know the Son of Man has the right and the power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who could not move his body, I say to you, get up. Take your bed and go to your home. At once the sick man got up in front of them. He took his bed and went to his home thanking God. All those who were there were surprised and gave thanks to God, saying, We have seen very special things today. This is the word of God for the people of God to say thank God. Let us now pray for a second. God help. What about the friends who helped them to Jesus? As we learn this story growing up in Sunday school, we don't think about the man who got the man to Jesus Christ to be healed. In Luke's account, without the love of his friends, the disabled man would never have been healed. Let us all take a moment to genuinely thank those who help people with disabilities. They are often overlooked. Today, we do not overlook you. We thank you with all of our hearts. I am starting a disability ministry to be a small community that can be like the group of friends who made a way for their disabled friend to be able to see Jesus. Growing up and going to ministry school at my old church home, a few classmates of mine said they were sorry for me because I have a disability. This verse in Luke 14 is where I came up with this ministry's name. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Luke 14, 12-13 Jesus Christ wants us to include the less able in everything. This is why I am starting this ministry here and it's necessary for the next generation of disabilities in this church. I think Luke put in this story his gospel to teach us about caring about the people who are in need. As a person who lives with a disability, I am very disappointed with how this country handled disability, I feel in the year 2023 33 years after passing the Americans with Disabilities Act Americans with Disabilities Act ADA I feel like that for disabled people it not getting better than 1990. I see a huge opportunity to improve how people with disabilities interact with this church. My call to everybody this morning is if we are the body of Christ we shouldn't limit anyone based on their disabilities. Christians should be on the front line of this issue. Who is willing to stand up with me? I will be in the back if you want to join the banquet come to see me after service to sign up to be a part of this new ministry. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Who knew aging could be so challenging at times? So many unexpected events keep popping up. I'm Jan Johnson, and for this Disability Sunday, I was asked to share about the impact our daughter, Siobhan, Siobhan's car accident, had on my faith journey. Let me start with her glorious wedding. It was beautiful beyond words. 
And it was in this very church. Siobhan, our second child, married Eric Kaufman on June 24, 2000. Many of you witnessed her ceremony, and it was extremely happy, glorious. Both were deeply committed to God and each other, and many, let's see, and their future seemed so bright and filled with hope as the scripture choice was printed in their program, clearly proclaimed, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a future with hope. After a year and two months of marriage, while Siobhan was leaving DeLand High School, after teaching her first day of special education class, where a new stoplight had been installed at that very intersection on International Boulevard. She was T-boned with the other driver going at least the speed limit of 55 miles per hour on August 13, 2001. Siobhan was airlifted to Halifax Trauma Center in Ormond Beach with multiple life-threatening injuries, but alive. As you can imagine, the consequences of those few seconds had a ripple effect of gigantic proportion on our lives. Who knew God wouldn't keep Siobhan from harm, as it says in, in Psalm 91, 9? If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. Who knew? Not me. Who knew that my prayer as a mother that day for her first teaching job wouldn't cover her with his wings of protection as she drove away from school that afternoon? Who knew that the Bible verse that she and Eric had chose for their wedding program was Jeremiah 29:11? would be so baffling to Siobhan when she came out of the coma and asked her dad, I me. Who knew that evidently my simple childlike faith needed a growth spurt of expansion where I was forced to grow deeper and wrestle with the fact that the unexpected unwanted, undeserved, and even unjust had just happened, from my perspective, had just happened to our one and only daughter of 23, married a year and two months. Who knew? Who knew the pain that can come from natural laws of science and the forceful impact of 55 miles per hour speed even with seatbelts on, who knew what could result in all those changes forever? Who knew? Who knew a young husband could be so deeply devoted, wise, attentive, and responsible to his new bride, Siobhan? Who knew that empathy, compassion, and kindness often spring forth 
out of severe suffering. Well, here's what I can share with you at 73 years of age today. We have a mysterious God who somehow doesn't always think or act the way I would expect Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 states. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Believe it or not, as Dan and I drove to Halifax Trauma Center in tears and silence sometimes, we played repeatedly the song, His Eye is on the Sparrow and He Watches Me. Deep within us, we believed God loved Siobhan and was with us in the midst of our crisis. There were ups and downs, overwhelming shock, details to figure out, but we turned to our family, friends, by phone calls, texts, and ask you as our congregation of believers to pray and amazing answers seem to come, sometimes totally unexpected. Sometimes not even requested needs would be spontaneously solved, and we knew it was the Holy Spirit working on our behalf. I have journals and photos explicitly vouching that this recovery process was truly miraculous for Siobhan. Were there struggles, resilience, determination, depression, costs, victories, suffering, sacrifices involved? Definitely yes. Because of the complexity that every brain and every brain injury is unique, and recovery can be a lifetime. It seemed as a gift from very dear friends that states, bidden or not, God is present. We felt his presence. Who knew God could be so faithful, so intimate, and real on the spot with creative answers yet timely enough for us to know it was more than coincidences. Who knew we could feel the vastness of your love, energy, devotion, all poured out during times of day and night for Siobhan's complete healing and our benefit. Who knew that 22 years later, Siobhan and Eric would be the proud parents of two extraordinary teenagers, Ethan, a freshman at Rollins College, and Sarah, a freshman in high school in Blacksburg, Virginia. Who knew that Eric, Dan, Darren, Krishna, and I would be joined by a worldwide team of support people who still ask us, how is Siobhan, your daughter, doing these days? 
and some are complete strangers to us. Out of the unexpected twists and turns of life and faith, I'm here today to proclaim what a holy God we do have and to thank you for the prayers, cards, faith connections you generously poured out for the benefit of Siobhan's recovery, which continues to inspire us today. How grateful the Kaufmans and Johnsons will always be. Here's a recent photo of Siobhan's family. And sorry, the dog couldn't be in there, Jagger. But this is the photo that was taken when they took Ethan to college in Winter Park just in the fall. Thanks be to God for this family. Who knew that the body of Christ called Trinity United Methodist Church would be so important in our lives. Julia Attaway, this past Thursday on Thanksgiving, wrote in a devotional book I read, Walking by Grace, difficulty forces me to reach for God more frequently, to listen more carefully, and surrender my will and accept his instead. Who knew love could and would be so victorious? Good morning. My name is Alan Finney, and I'm here to talk to you about one of my favorite people, Earl Hill. For those of you who don't know him, Earl is 37 years young and a devout disciple of Christ. Earl has been attending Trinity for close to 15 years, uh, beginning when he and uh, my wife, Karen, uh, started attending the Friday night 635 service back when David Allen led that service. Soon after, Earl began attending the Sunday morning contemporary service uh, and was soon welcome to participate in sunlight. A few weeks ago, Marissa asked me if I would be willing to talk about how my relationship with Earl has impacted my faith journey. And as I was mulling over the, all the possible things I could talk to you about, in terms of my relationship with Earl, I kept coming back to that word, journey. Because over the course of 24 years, Earl and I have taken numerous journeys together. Many of you may not know this, but Earl loves to travel. He loves every aspect of traveling, from packing, to riding in the car to the airport, the shuttle bus from the long-term parking lot to the terminal. Uh, one time we were flying, I forget where we were going, but... Uh, it was a very early flight. I think it was 6.30 in the morning. Uh, and if you've ever been on a long-term shuttle to a terminal at 5.30 in the morning, it's not the most exciting thing. Uh, most people are half asleep, but there's Earl in his, all his glory, just loving every second of it. He loves uh, snacking on the plane. He loves the hotel. He loves the adventure all the while revealing one of his gifts, his ability to make people smile. 
I've been fortunate to support Earl through many of those journeys over the years, from hiking in the Grand Tetons, to climbing to the top of Mount Washburn, taking a helicopter ride through the Grand Canyon, whale watching off the coast of Maine, and riding trains all over the United States. Earl loves trains. Uh, he highly recommends Cassinic Railroad in West Virginia, because we've ridden it about 50 times. <coughs> and it's a four-hour train ride. Through all these journeys, I can tell you there is no one more fun to do them with than Earl Hill. So going back to the original question, how has my relationship with Earl affected my faith journey? I had to think back to when I started bringing Earl to Trinity. Before that, my now wife Karen had been bringing Earl to church every Wednesday and Sunday. Earl and I spent our time together doing the things we do best, yard work, hiking, hanging out. I knew that Earl loved church, and I was so thankful that he had someone that wanted to take him to Trinity. But then the day came when Karen was offered a job in Jacksonville as the assistant director of Camp I Am Special, a camp for people with special needs. Uh, Karen had grown up volunteering there all throughout high school and college. Uh, she, was, she loves that camp. And Earl was also a camper there for many, many years. That's where they first met. Uh, her move meant that someone needed to step in and take Earl to church. And the only one who made sense was me. So I did. And I have to admit that it took me a minute. Uh, I did not have the greatest fondness for church. But coming here week after week with Earl, seeing how you loved him and accepted him as much as I did changed me. I began to listen to the sermons and became reacquainted with scripture. Uh, one of my favorites is displayed on the altar in the chapel, be still and know that I am. I can't tell you how those words have grounded me and saved me midweek at the Wednesday night 635 service. Since coming to Trinity Euro and I have eaten numerous Wednesday night dinners, we've hiked all around this campus, the meditation trail, we've unloaded pumpkins from the truck, we've packed meals, we've driven the golf cart. Uh, if any of you remember volunteers driving the golf cart, Earl loved the golf cart, not so much picking people up. Uh, <laughs> That was a challenge. Uh, but along the way, we've met some of the best people. I would eventually be baptized by Aaron and Lenora Rousseau in the chapel. My wife and I would commit our lives to each other in that same chapel a few years later. So to answer the question, how has Earl impacted my faith journey? I would say that all of this is because of him. I want to leave you with two more things. The first, I want you to understand Earl. He could say the words, he would tell you thank you for accepting him as your equal. He would tell you thank you for including him. He would thank you for your fellowship. He would tell you that he loves you. Often sometimes uh, someone will come up to me and pat my arm and tell me something to the effect of God bless you for the work that you do. And I'm always confused by that because I possess all of the abilities, the verbal abilities, the physical abilities to navigate this world. Earl, on the other hand, is working 
harder than any of us will ever know, just to sit in that chair for an hour or three this morning. It is also difficult for Earl to uh, make sense of verbal input. Uh, I'm convinced he hears the last word you say first. He has to then go back, think about what it is you said, recode the message, and then overcome cerebral palsy to give you a response. If he ever walks by you and you say good morning to Earl and he just blows right by you, just know he heard you. You're just competing with 70 other things that are hitting at the same level as your greeting. Second, I want, you to, I want to tell you how Earl has not only impacted my faith journey, but that of my daughters. There is no one in this world who loves Earl Hill more than my two-year-old daughter, Grace. Grace loves going to church with her uncle Earl as she affectionately refers to him. Time and again, we have tried to get Grace to go to the children's church, but she refuses because it would mean not being in church with her uncle Earl. She loves to feed him muggies, which are her gummies. She loves to snack with him. She loves to hug him, which he does not always enjoy. <laughs> but she loves church because Earl loves church. And as I was preparing for this today, uh, I was sitting on my computer and I had to find a way to get Grace to, to share how she felt about Earl. So I said to her, oh, Grace, they asked me to write some stuff about Earl. What should I say? And I think we have that on video. All right, so Grace. What? The pastors at church asked Daddy to say some things about Uncle Earl. So what does Uncle Earl do every weekend? He comes over with his weekend and he carries a hat. Oh, he comes over with his weekend and his cat and a hat? Yeah, and he always, the cat and the hat is always filthy. Oh, it's always, his cat and hat's always filthy. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and what do you do with his Mickey's? I just hold it Oh, and what do you like to do on his, it, when he, when we get his bed made? Jump on it. Oh. <laughs> and then what do we do Sunday mornings? He waffles and go to church. He waffles and go to church. And what do you like to do at church with Uncle Earl? And she's sad with him. Oh, you like to sing and, and share your snacks with him? I'm talking about I can't pay your daddy. Okay, and how, well, okay, we'll take one more thing on the computer. How do you feel about Uncle Earl? I'll be good with him. Yeah, and who's your favorite person? Oh. Earl. <laughs> I'm talking about I can't pay you.